This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Fran Garrett, Director of Global Markets, Risk, and Securities Lending at RMA. Today, I'm joined again by Kevin Oden, founder and managing partner of Kevin D. Oden and Associates, and managing director of RMA's Model Validation Consortium. In this installment of our monthly podcast series on model risk management, we'll discuss data's role in an institution as it relates to BCBS 239, model validation, data framework and architecture, governance, and how artificial intelligence and machine learning consume data. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Fran. It's a pleasure to be here. So Kevin, uh, to kick off the conversation and generally speaking, what is data's role in an institution? Fran, that's an that's a excellent question. So banks have always held vast amounts of data inside their organizations, but their ability to, to extract value and interpret that, that commodity um, has uh, historically been a big struggle for most institutions. But uh, increasingly, uh, an important endeavor at all of these institutions. In, in particular, it's become more important as uh, fintechs, uh, in particular, have, have found ways to, to, to utilize uh, consumer data in ways banks traditionally haven't thought of, like Plaid, Yodley, Finicity, MX, others are essentially telling con- bank consumers, bank customers, that if these fintechs get access to their data, they can better manage it than the banks themselves. This has put uh, many banks um, in the position that they need to, to better manage the data that they have internally, not just for their own internal needs, but for their clients' needs, for their customers' needs. So a real challenge for all banks, it often comes under today the name digitization, and, but this is really a fancy way of saying there needs to be a seamless flow of information across, uh, across the banks. It's good for customers, it's good for the bank, and it's good from a regulatory perspective because you're better able to, to see what's happening at the institution. So data has always been important for banks with uh, the proliferation of, of new technology uh, in the market today. There's even more data on consumers. There's even more data uh, on on the environment around the bank and all of that comes into the bank. Thanks, Kevin. And, you know, given the increasing role and importance of data, uh, regulators have focused on this topic, including the introduction of BCBS 239 back in 2013. Uh, What has been the impact of BCBS 239 on data at an institution? So BCBS 239 uh, essentially is uh, the principles of effective risk data aggregation and risk reporting. Came into effect in uh, January 2016 and all banks were supposed to be compliant by then. And what does compliance mean for banks? So as the, as the uh, BCBS 239 says, you have to have in place an effective program so that you can aggregate all of the risk data around your organization and you need to be able to report on it. Um, There are really 11 core principles that every bank needs to adhere to under BCBS 239. 
and three supervisory principles for reviewing uh, whether banks are in compliance with uh, 239. I won't go through all of those principles, but I'll hit on a couple. Uh, governance, accuracy and integrity, data architecture, and IT infrastructure. And then I'll hit on one more, completeness. So if you take a look at those four principles that I just outlined, it essentially means that a bank has to have a process in place to, to govern all of its risk data. And risk data is the data that goes into reporting, data that goes into analyzing the risk of the institution. It has to have the architecture and the infrastructure in place, designed and built in order to su fully support this aggregation of data and ensure that that data is accurate and has, an, has integrity. And then completeness, ensuring that the data is completely captured and that all of the material risk data across the organization is understood. So this, it's, it's been a huge impact on, uh, on all banks in putting together the governance structure and the data architecture infrastructure to, to adhere to BCBS 239. If you take a look at um, the recent survey from Ernst & Young, basically there, there are no banks in the, in the United States or, in, or around the world that are completely compliant with BCBS 239 yet. There are still all driving to uh, getting all of those pieces in place so that they can be in line with those 11 core principles. Every large bank and um, even uh, the, the many smaller institutions are still driving to get, um, uh, to, to get this in place. It's important. The regulators expect it. It's, um, it's a part of um, sound risk management. Thanks. And in previous roles that you had, uh, both as a head of market risk and later on as a head of model risk management, what were your key considerations when putting together a framework and architecture for data? So BCBS really embodied many of the principles that had been uh, in place in some, in, in some institutions and, and principles that uh, people aspired to, banks aspired to to ensure that data uh, coming into the models, data coming into or coming into reports and uh, populating reports were, um, were sound. And this is, uh, so in my prior roles, the challenges were making sure that we had the right IT, making sure that we had the right processes in place to ensure that the data coming into the bank, the data populating the models, the data populating the, the risk reports that uh, we produce are all good, accurate, complete. The data has ongoing integrity. Like I, like I said previously, under BCBS 239, it's a, it's a huge endeavor for any single uh, institution. And when you take it down to the um, you know to a group level like a model like a model risk management group or market risk group it's their responsibility to ensure that um, you know the data coming from other parts of the organization is sound it's a complex process but it's one that you need to do uh, and um, you need to to invest in it to make sure that it works well 
Thanks, Kevin. And in the second question where I introduced uh, BCBS 239, you mentioned governance. Can you describe what makes for good data governance? Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy answer, which when you implement, uh, again, I keep using the word difficult, but, and, and, and it is, but the easy answer is you need to have policy and procedure in place which uh, ensures that uh, the data that comes into the, the institution is sound. You need to have policy and procedure in place to, to review and check the accuracy of the data on an ongoing basis. You need reporting uh, on uh, data integrity and uh, review uh, and remediation activities as a part of that governance framework. Uh, you need escalation procedures. So when data integrity falls below some threshold um, or accuracy falls below some threshold, what are the escalation procedures? Who, you know, who's there to remediate this? Great, and Kevin, uh, you and I have worked together a pretty long time with regard to you know, your role on the Global Markets Council as chair, and then also with RMA's Model Validation Consortium. And that leads me to the question of, you know, what is data's role as it relates to model validation? Well, data is critical to, uh, data is a critical component of, of every model. Um, it's, uh, it's the input to every model and uh, data is ultimately also the output that feeds um, the, uh, the, the use of the model and reports that, uh, that models ultimately populate. So data is a critical component of every model. And there's that old cliche, which is, uh, which is just so true, and that is garbage in, garbage out. It's ever more appropriate, well, appropriate today when we take a look at uh, the just uh, vast amounts of uh, data that's utilized by, by banks and the continuing increase, uh, and appropriately so, of models at banks. So ensuring that the, the data that goes into these models is not just accurate, but uh, the appropriate, the right data, uh, and ensuring that uh, it's there in a timely fashion, that uh, the output of the, the models uh, is appropriately routed to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to users in a timely fashion, and that uh, the reports that that eventually go to consumers, go to business leaders, go in some cases to the board of directors are, are proper. So data is, is, is a critical component of models. And uh, with the increased use of models, it's, uh, its importance only is only magnified. Great, and Kevin, to wrap up, how will artificial intelligence and machine learning impact data and data governance? So when you take a look at traditional models, traditional models, the, the, data, the, the data sources, uh, interest rates, commodity prices, et cetera. Again, I'm gonna use the word difficult. It's difficult to manage the continuous use of that data. With artificial intelligence and machine learning models, the data uh, input for, for many of these models turn into variables that have um, you know, thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of, of data inputs, which um, multiplies the, the problem of data management and data integrity uh, many fold. So the need to manage 
the data for uh, AI and the, the need to have a strong governance structure around monitoring the inputs, monitoring the maintenance of that data, and ensuring that the outputs uh, are properly used. Uh, it's just magnified uh, many fold in AI and machine learning models because of the, the complexity of the data inputs and the rising number of inputs. And, and, and this is only going to uh, uh, increase as we start to apply uh, machine learning and, and in some cases AI models to an ever-increasing host of situations. So for instance, banks are thinking about using machine learning models in working with uh, you know, customers and working with um, uh, BSA AML and the, the data complexities in these areas and ensuring that the data is in, has still, have, still has integrity um, just increases all the difficulties that I talked about before many times. Great. And thanks again, Kevin, for joining me today. And I look forward to next month's installment of our podcast series, where we will discuss bias in models, including bias in artificial intelligence and machine learning models.